Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh, yeah. It's time to get your soap out. Because we're going to get wet. Get your soap out. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to get all fuzzy. It's the time to get you get it, get your nice soap out because it's time for tub time for with UFO day. <laughs> I hope you want to talk about some wet UFOs, friend. I, I didn't sign up for tub time with UFO day. I'm not. I didn't know That's this the was sound gonna... of my belly up against the porcelain. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Hey, hey, Kissel. Yeah. So glad you could join me for some UFO talk. You think you could clean my feet? I just came over here to get some bread. <laughs> it's so nice and just submerged in here. I'm like a big old potato inside of a bucket of cream. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben in the of bread <laughs> along with Henry Zabrowski. Yum, yum, yum. Soap is soapy. I, UFOs. <laughs> man, I'm so disgusted. Marcus Parks is with us as well. Hello. Man, UFO Dave is one of my new favorite tales. That's one of my new favorite uh, storytellers, rather. Dave, my full name's David, but I'm Dave to all the men I fuck. Oh, isn't that <laughs> nice, UFO Dave? Today, this is going to be such an exciting topic because oftentimes we talk about UFOs which and what's the F stand for? flying but today we're going down to the water i'm so glad you're here to explain thank you (laughs) today we're talking about unidentified submerged objects this is a topic that we have had sitting in the chamber for such a long time Mm -hmm. that it's actually come all the way back around to being real which is um i sometimes my brain just goes in a screensaver just thinking about it i just sit and stare at my wall and just realize oh the entire topic is real now we are actually now talking about the news somehow we got to the news wow (laughs) so unidentified submerged objects are exactly what they sound like rather than being craft that fly through the air these objects either travel through the water exclusively through the air and the water or are seen stationary in deep lakes or oceans and i realized that i just said the exact same thing that ben said in the introduction except much smarter well there you go i i clarified it i made it quick 
quick. I made it to the point. That's, what, that's how you sell stuff. But you didn't say anything about how the inside of my belly button gets real dry. And you got to put some cream. You were so Dave. Kind of- we really can't have you on the whole show. Of course, we expect you to be here, though. Uh, USO's... Uh, Unidentified button smells like pizza. I'm sure that it does. <laughs> unidentified submerged objects. Unidentified submerged objects. That's also what they call the Kissel family when we go vacationing in the Florida Keys. This is great, <laughs> and uh, we go into the water and we submerge ourselves. Let's continue. Okay. Now, what's interesting about USOs is that even though they're one of the least talked about objects in ufology, they actually make up a large part of the more credible sightings. Because of your recent reembarkment into the world of UFOs, I will allow you to say ufology. I say ufology because I prefer to say ufology. It's one of my favorite words. You're allowed to have it. You're supposed Thank to say you. ufology? Yes. Mm. Well, specifically, I'm just about to hurricane punch the whole room. <laughs> I, uh, Ufology sounds like it's too selfish. Yeah, it is because it's all about your. You are a part of the investigation. You, you, my friend, you are half the phenomena. Okay. Well, specifically, naval crew members seem to see USOs flying in and out of the water with fair regularity. And if the soft disclosure we've been seeing lately uh. with military footage of UFOs is to be believed, then USOs are key to understanding the current UFO zeitgeist. This is so current that it's in, it's incredible how this is it's unfolding in front of our eyes right now. Jeremy Corbel, whether you like him or not, he talks a lot of he talks a lot over people that are more important than him, and he has a big hat at all times. One of mm. those hipsters, wide brimmed hats that I can't stand. Well, those looks, were those were used to block the human shit that people used to throw out of their windows. That's why those hats <laughs> exist, yes. which I always remember. Uh, he helped release some footage last week hmm. of a UFO. This was in August of 2019 that was floating above the water. Water, and this it has now been uh, claimed by the Pentagon as a leaked official video. You watch this bulb slide down through the sky, blip through the water, mm. sunk, soak, 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 like a pair of balls in a testacuzzi, and then <laughs> blip up out of the water. And you can barely, you, you see the little splash go splash. Same thing with the video that I'm showing during our new current live show. Yes. The mm-hmm. Agua Dolce UFO that was uh, shot, about, I want to say about 10 years ago. And it's an orb that shut down the Agua Dolce airport in Puerto Rico for four hours as it zipped back and forth. And then you watch it blip. Into the water, blip out of the water. Right. Our U.S. Navy men, our seamen, right now, they're seeing up to a UFO or USO a week. Wow, mm-hmm. that's yeah. a lot of USO sightings. Yeah, and we. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's remarkable. I, I, just, it. I literally just said the sentence. That's a lot of USO sightings. I did not <laughs> mean to trigger. <laughs> and I'm also going to say is that lately I've been reading a lot of debunking articles from people that are trying to say that these new videos that are coming out, they're trying to say that, oh, it's just an out of focus airplane or, oh, that's just a camera malfunction to those people. I say, fuck off. Yes. Well, I don't know why yes. people Whoa. are trying so yes. fucking hard to make something so incredible, so mundane. It's why? because. Are you doing this? It's everyone's been in their living rooms for a year. So they're yeah. like, oh, that's not my remote control. Oh, that's not my girlfriend, Dana. I don't believe in it. Wow. All no, right. I mean, these things are incredible. They come with uh, multiple witnesses uh, every time. There's so many people who have actually seen these things with their own eyes, even outside of just camera footage. There is something going on. I don't know if it's aliens, but there is something happening right now. We'll okay. get into it. Indeed However, we shall. However, 
The stories of USOs are often of the someone saw a thing and it was weird variety, meaning that while USO stories are numerous, we're well aware that you, the listener, aren't necessarily interested in a long list of USO sightings. If you are, though, I would say pick up the delightfully obtuse and nerdy UFOs and Water by Carl W. <laughs> Faint. He wrote this book in 2014, accidentally oh. tripping upon what is now the most current subject within UFOs. But he lists all of the historical uh, USO sightings over the years. And up until about 2014, he really does a good job. Of, it's hundreds and hundreds of cases. It's wild. Indeed. So while uh, we will certainly be talking about legitimate USO sightings, we'll also be discussing a few of the more implausible USO sightings throughout history. Because while a purely scientific point of view can certainly be compelling, it isn't always entertaining. Yeah. Now, sightings of USOs are not a new phenomenon and have, in fact, been occurring for centuries. It's believed that the first USO sighting, or at least the first recorded USO sighting, involved Christopher Columbus, oh. who made a log entry of a, quote-unquote, wax candle moving up and down beneath the waves of the ocean. That's and, of course, sweet. we can trust anything that Christopher Columbus ever said. <laughs> uh, he's never made a mistake in his life. He, he saw it. It was the reality. It was reality. He only lied after the trip. Because that's what you do. That's what his what he called his slavery receipts. Uh, but afterwards, he wanted to check it with his government. I see. Yeah. You're gonna want to keep. Yeah, if you can't, those. if you can't believe a sociopath on the sea, then who can you fucking trust? Who can you okay. trust? But uh, this is also a time period when they didn't know what meteors were or meteorites. Mm. So that's one of those where with Christopher Columbus, that sighting is a little. You know, that one's a little weird. Wow, I didn't uh. know debunking Dave was gonna join hey, us. No, as well. no, <laughs> debunking Dave is USO Dave's roommate. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I have a feeling they sleep on a bunk bed as well. <laughs> but perhaps the most interesting of these old-timey USO sightings is the Utsurabune, which allegedly was seen near Tokyo in 1803, and what has become a favorite story amongst the ancient aliens crowd because it came complete with drawings of the aquatic craft. Yeah, this was dope. Nice. Yeah. Now, the legend of the Utsurabuni, which means hollow boat, appeared in three different texts written approximately 20, 30, and 40 years after the 1803 encounter. But while there are slight differences between the three stories, the narrative essentially remains the same. By accounts, a strange craft with a metallic bottom and a dome top featuring windows fitted with transparent glass was seen drifting aimlessly along the Japanese coast, looking suspiciously like a modern UFO. Interesting. Fascinating. Yes. <laughs> Curious fishermen towed the craft back to land, and when they looked inside the windows, they saw a beautiful lady between Ooh. 18 and 20 years old with pale pink skin and red hair, wearing delicate clothing made from unknown fabrics. I'm from Ireland. This is silk. Wow. <laughs> isn't that nice? <laughs> When the craft opened, the fisherman saw that the woman was less than five feet tall, and when she spoke, she uttered a language that had never been heard on Japanese shores. How you doing, you fucking sons of bitches? Yeah. It's good to be in Japan! <laughs> oh my god, this is some kind of weird alien. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love to be in Japan! Where's your beef? You are out of this world. The oddest thing about the woman, though, was that she carried a wooden box wherever she went, but refused to let any of the fishermen even touch it, much less let them look inside. 
It's my collection of Funko. <laughs> You're going to want to hold on. Don't you want to sully my Funko? You're going to want to hold on to those Funko. That's going to really go up in value. I'm in Japan. <laughs> I understand. You're a strange Irish woman. Later, an old man from the fishing village theorized that she could have been a princess from a foreign realm who had an affair with a lowly commoner, Ooh. and the commoner had been beheaded for defiling the beautiful royal. And as further punishment, the princess was exiled from her lands, encased in the Utsurubuni, with the head of her dead lover as company. Fuck yeah. It's well, they, sweet. But they just really inferred all of that. They yes. made all that up. That was a guess. Ah, it was extrapolated from the last time the village had found a woman washed ashore, when another beautiful <laughs> Well, foreigner... they have another problem going on here. <laughs> what is happening? All these women. What are we going to do with all these women washing up on shore? You got to put up a dike. and that time another beautiful foreigner was found carrying her lover's head pinned to a small board oh but no matter the origins of this mysterious pale redhead the townsfolk still popped her back inside the craft and pushed it out to sea (laughs) yeah yeah. get out of here (laughs) yeah because they feared that their government would punish them for finding such a mysterious foreign object during a time of intense isolationist Japanese foreign policy. Hey, I want to teach you how to make submarine sandwiches. Oh, that would be fantastic. (laughs) The first Jersey Mike's in Japan. That's how that would begin. All right, I guess I'm going now. I guess I'll go back to Ireland with my Keep Leave some of the Funkos, please. Especially the Darth Maul. (laughs) Why, how did these fishermen, how did the fishermen manage to just snag an unidentified submerged object? How do you just grab something of alien technology with a little fish hook? What did they do? It was just floating in the water and And they pulled it ashore. Yeah, they probably, honestly, they probably did grab nets and they probably brought it in. This is, again, when we talk about old timey UFOs, quite often they, the phenomena is either attached to the technology at the time, right, where their psychic connection, whatever it was, whatever that completes the scenario on the human side, basically views whatever their technology is as something that they can compare it to. So yeah. they'll say it's like a hollow boat, but it could have looked like anything because also at the same time, what if the phenomena, which is a trickster, which has a trickster nature at its core, always wants to kind of appear as a way that you can kind of understand it or all of this is allegory. Yeah. Well, that really clears it up. <laughs> you ask me. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, it, if you look at the drawings, it does look kind of like a modern UFO. Like it, and these drawings were done in 1825, uh, so it's you know before any kind of UFO was even in the you know collective consciousness. Okay. Uh, so it's it's interesting stuff. It's compelling stuff. Oh. But, but it could also be a Russian. That's a, that is one of the other theories is that there was a Russian girl put into a, a hollow boat and just kind of pushed offshore because oh, sure. there was food inside. Well, that's just a that's just a Russian experiment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do that <laughs> a lot. They <laughs> think how many dogs are dead, how many women went into space just to explode. Yeah, they they push them off to, to they push them off into the water. And then they say, if she comes back, that means she really loves me. But then she doesn't. No, she no. just dies no. at sea because she didn't yeah. love you. It was about the money. But in <laughs> Russia, this is in Russia. But in Russia, would you say that they're braver? Then? I think they have no. I, I, moral I think they scruples. have. A, they they put a much less of a value on human life. Braver. 
<laughs> in 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 some ways. Yeah, I mean they're 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 definitely more willing to give like culturally more willing to uh, give the lives of the few to benefit the many. So I guess there's something there. I have something that ties into the sentiment later on. Mm. Interesting. But besides objects that are found floating out from sea, divers have also found objects of seemingly extraterrestrial origin submerged under the sea itself, long before the idea of UFOs entered the popular consciousness. In 1900, a group of sponge divers exploring the waters around the Greek island of Antikythera found an object that appeared to be simultaneously thousands of years old and highly advanced for the time period. Oh my God. They referred to it as the Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> Look at it now <laughs> as it jerks off near <laughs> the coral reef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I got to get back to my you, cold. You have to get back to <laughs> line on CNN. I got to get on my cold. <laughs> yeah. When the divers gave the object a closer look, they found that it gave all the appearance of being an ancient analog computer, oh. complete with bronze gears and delicate machinery capable of making precise astrological predictions. This is one of those hmm. other ancient aliens, like, big hits. Yeah. Now, gears and such do admittedly seem a little primitive for an alien civilization, but some believe that the Antikythera mechanism was something similar to NASA's own low-tech golden record, which was sent out with the Voyager spacecraft. Oh. We'll also maybe speak to the idea, I one day will do the, uh, it might be entirely fake topic of the concept that there was a missing time period. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that the earth is I a like lot that older idea. and that our civilization is a lot older than it is. And there was like a dark period where there might have been some form of massive catastrophe that led to the fall of a certain like advanced group, which I think might be interesting. Well, yeah. if the aliens did look at the world now, they would see the dinosaur, right? Because of the time thing. What? Space and time, they would look at the world about six million years ago. Are you on edibles right now? <laughs> no, that's how that works. <laughs> what do you mean? That's how it works. Fucking speed of light, dude. Whoa. Speed okay. of light and time, man. I had to speed of light fucking, alters dude, time. Sometimes, man, I fucking <laughs> Speed of light alters time. And much like the mRNA that <laughs> is shedding off of you right now, Please. so yeah. is your yeah. wisdom. The Thank protein you so shedding. Much. And by the ever by the way, everyone, if you're vaccinated, just you know, enjoy the time you have because apparently we're all dropping dead this fall. So wow. enjoy this summer. I've been what? begging for it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> begging. Let's see what happens. <laughs> but when it comes to the country that seems to be the worldwide hot spot for USO activity, that designation belongs to Russia. Russia. Oh. Russia. This is my Russian accent. That is really, that is really good. That's good, right? Yeah. Uh, they are particularly interested in the USO phenomenon to the point where I think that they have the leg up on us, mm. where they seem to understand this phenomenon and are vaguely trying to harness it. I'll mm -hmm. read a little bit. Once we get past this, this once we get past this story, I'm going to read a little bit of what the uh, Russian intelligence communities are working towards with an understanding of our USO community. This is a nice. question. I was, I was talking about uh, the uh, phenomenon of news coverage of the UFO and USO on Abelian's Top Hat, not going into the alien uh, components of it. But when it comes to deception, when it comes to uh, misinformation, when it comes to sidestepping, I'm just going to say real issues, not to discredit anything. Don't look at me like that, Henry. But, can't, but isn't it interesting, though, as scandals rise, as we have so many issues going on, whatever they might be, choose whichever one you want. 
All of a sudden, news agencies are covering the USO and the UFO. So if you're in Russia, they've been covering up their own corruption for years. Is it possible they're just using this stuff as smoke screens for something, again, air quotes, real, like, you know, mass violence, war, whatever it might be? So, we'll no, find I don't out. think so. I mean, I, I, not in Soviet Russia. In Soviet Russia, they didn't give a fuck. They just lied about everything. And then none of this stuff was really covered in like Soviet state news uh, back in the 70s and 80s when it was happening. The time period that we're going to be covering mostly when we talk about Russian uh, USOs. But I, I don't think I really don't think that UFOs and USOs are used as smoke screens, even here in the United States. It's just because weird honestly, to see Fox nobody news. fucking cares. Well, we'll talk UFOs about it. here yeah. in the, U- in the United States. The Nobody people. cares. The one my, yeah. my and my addition to this conversation is that the the people don't care, but Russia and China might in terms of yeah. how we hide our covert uh, machinery, what we do right. to to say that we have a special relationship with another worldly intelligence is going to give us a leg up with uh, when it comes to weapons technology. But I think Russian the the Russian view on the UFO is specifically. They thought we might be able to get something from this if it's real. Like we might be able to get a weapon out of this. I just raised my skeptical brow when we have real stories going on with the border and things. And then Fox News is covering it. CNN is covering it. I'm like, you all got a lot of other stuff to cover, too. There should be one network dedicated to just UFOs. That's us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's us. Yeah, no, they have 24 hours a day to fill and UFOs are a really easy story that doesn't take any sort of investigation whatsoever. No, for them to cover it, it all comes down to fucking laziness. Every conspiracy theory comes down to human fucking laziness. Yeah, it's just weird to see Laura Ingram with her gold cross necklace talking about it. Of but course. anyway, Live from your grave. this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. 
as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. In recently declassified Russian Navy reports on Cold War UFO sightings, it was revealed that the majority of sightings occurred near bodies of water, with 50% being connected with the oceans and 15% being connected to lakes. Water and UFOs are absolutely related. More than anything else, more than them saying the, the, the underwater water aquifers, more than saying like a weird like magnetic points or, or ley lines or any of that horseshit, they are either in the, they are either under us or they are around us but they Ooh. love the water. Okay. Could it also be this is something that I was thinking could it also be that there are more UFO sightings around water because humans tend to congregate around water? Well, well I don't know because it's also a lot of times where they are congregating is around our military technology which is water based. So mm-hmm. that some of it probably has quite to do with if it is an intelligent thing that is interested in our military technology that's where it kind of gravitates. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it would be cute to see the aliens with little sunscreen on their noses just be like, we come to spring break, like we just come to party. <laughs> Help reinvigorate our economy, aliens. Absolutely. Wasn't that the whole plot of Earth Girls Are Easy? Yes. You know, I forget the plot <laughs> yeah, of they Earth came Girls here to Are Easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But like we have here in America with astronauts who believe aliens fly the skies, there are certain Russian cosmonauts who fully believe that alien civilizations have settled beneath our seas. Famed cosmonaut Pavel Popovich gave an oddly specific interview in the 90s in which he discussed ancient advanced civilizations that have visited the Earth from a world called either Phaeton or Muna. <laughs> from what? That second one's lazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's Italian <laughs> yeah. for moon. Okay. <laughs> from what Pavel claimed, the visitors had one base near Saturn and three on Earth. One in the Andes, one in the Himalayas, and one deep in a trench in the Indian Ocean, which became the main base when humans came too close to discovering the other two. They got liquidated. There's oh. a lot of these guys that come out. We have already we've talked about a little bit on side stories. Uh, the uh, I believe it was one of the head and heads of intelligence for we definitely in the UK. The Canadian minister and the Canadian minister of intelligence. They also came forward and said th this type of information, saying we are speaking to and we're a part of a galactic federation. We're speaking to other aliens openly, knowing that they are aliens. They are coming here. We're doing some form of goods trading and the, the intelligence trading. Uh, but it, it's weird because number one, is that just a psyop? Or is there another way? I, I have this like image in my head where the they are actually in contact with high levels of our government, right? Whatever these creatures are, whatever these entities are, and they come in and they lie about where they're from. Yeah, and that you have like this is double, double, double yeah, down man. conspiracy world. Eight D chess. All I know is the aliens told me the storm is coming. Oh, no. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Actually, and where um, we go one, we go all. That's the, what the aliens told me. Yeah. The humidity is actually up. Isn't that nice? It might rain. And when it comes to Russian USO sightings, they go all the way back to the 17th century. In the year 1663, the Tsar at the time, Alexei Mikhailovich, heard a great noise resounding from the sky when he was visiting Robo Zero Lake in the Vologda region of Russia. All of these are incorrectly pronounced. We've pronunciated. <laughs> we have no Zero clue. Lake is yeah. awesome. The Robo sure Zero it's, Lake it's is probably cool. Robo Zero. Robo Zero. Now fucking Robo Zero. Robo Zero Lake, bro. Oh, come yeah. on. We come for a spring break. The czar, when he heard the sound, he looked north and saw a huge flaming sphere 40 meters in diameter, emitting two beams of flame from the front and Ooh. blue smoke from its sides. And lest ye think it was a meteor, the czar himself saw the object hovering above the lake. Pretty soon, locals emerged from a nearby church, and thinking it was the end of the world, they fled back into the church to pray. You just came out of church! <laughs> you gotta go back, it's the end of the world! But regardless of prayer, the object hovered over Robo Zero Lake in various locations for an hour and a half before it vanished. Oh my god, dude, now I'm getting horny for BattleBots again. We'll name our BattleBot Robo Zero. Ooh, have flames. Yeah. We have to have shadow smoke, smoke Ooh, like yeah. diversion tactics. Yes, diversion tactics. And then yeah. how about like a, a thing that flaps up and it's got naked tits on it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's obvious that if you do accept that something is out there, then whatever is out there is mostly interested in humanity's military operations, because it seems that the Russians have had just as many run-ins with unidentified objects both in the air and in the sea as America has. During the height of the Cold War in the 1960s, Soviet nuclear submarines began encountering strange underwater objects that they called kvakiri, from the Russian word kvakat, which means to croak. Yeah, man. 
Frog people, dude. Frog people? <laughs> Frog people, bro. Amphibian <laughs> man is coming, dude. Are you kidding? Amphibian man? From a, We're going to get to... Actually, what's funny is we're going to get to amphibian man here pretty soon. Yep. Wow. From accounts... The Russians gave it the croaking designation because the objects emitted signals that sounded to the Russians like frogs croaking, although that was the extent of communication from said objects. And we know now, these weren't these weren't mines, these weren't military dropped mines. We don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Now it was thought that the Kavakieri were possibly underwater sonic buoys controlled by the US Navy. But like current UFOs seen by the US Navy, the Kavakieri possessed amazing maneuverability in addition to reaching speeds of up to 200 knots. Wow. For comparison, the world's fastest submarine, the Soviet K222, had a top speed of 44.7 knots, and the Kvyakieri matched the speed of the fastest unmanned submersible object, a German torpedo named the Barracuda. I meant a German name. Barracuda and all he did was have sex with me. Oh my goodness. Um, I do like that we name all of our missiles. Like it's kind of cute, cute if it's a Barracuda, right? <laughs> it's cute. These are along the lines of weird behavior from things that are either manned ships or in my mind, I've been tripped up on this idea that some of these orbs are physical manifestations of a psychic projection from other things other gotta, intelligences gotta get this world to open up now, i am <laughs> saying that they are observing us from afar using mm -hmm. these things like orbs that are actually unmanned they are unmanned that's like but, the witch in robin hood it, it, that's like the witch in robin hood with the with the with the pool of the water and she can look and stuff and see the future well disney was a student pool. truly a, yes Walt disney was a, a student of the occult and there's a lot of occult teachings laid within disney films there's a lot of hidden penises too yes there are <laughs> because they're always looking at jerk off they're just drawn and drawn and drawn all day and they never get to draw full tits oh. um but i really do think that these things are hidden underground we'll get it well, again i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep talking about this yeah i have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> now some didn't take the kivakieri phenomenon seriously and joked that the radar signatures and sounds were merely playful lobsters fornicating you know how much <laughs> lobsters fuck and how loud it is <laughs> you ever, you ever <laughs> live next door to a lobster couple you can't even sleep it's just <laughs> they just fucking come They're and just fucking <laughs> come and play music and play the drums. That's our playful lobster neighbor, Fornicate. Speaking yeah. of playful lobster, Sebastian the Crab's fucking dead. Sebastian died. We the broke the who, news yesterday. The guy huh. who played Sebastian the Crab's dead, dude. Yep, he huh. died. Sebastian does, got cancer. Does nothing for me. Isn't that sad? No. You don't think that's a little sad? No. No. I didn't know him. What do you mean, no? <laughs> I didn't know him. He's a guy that did a voice in a cartoon that I was fine with. He's cold as ice. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't cry for every bad thing that ever happened. I don't even Jesus Christ. It may have been a very good thing. Maybe he was very ill. Death can often be a wonderful embrace. Suicide by cop. Okay. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, but while some people joke that it was just lobsters, others called the Kivakieri the ghosts of the ocean. Sweet. 
and more than one story existed of a croaking Kibekiri ramming a Soviet nuclear submarine. They're very interesting, or at least attempting to. They love our technology. I Whatever do. they are. And I, I've said and this specifically nuclear technology. They are very they're obsessed with our nuclear technology. And we don't know whether or not it's just because of the energy they kind of give off if they are able maybe that's the only way the only things that they can see. Maybe that's what they, they can see these things and they want to go look at it. Maybe they are aping it. Like kind of what we talk about with the Rendlesham uh the Rendlesham innocent incident where they go and they they copy our planes to be like us. However the Kivekieri is not the fastest underwater objects the Soviets ever recorded. That designation belonged to something they never even had a name for. On several occasions, Soviet subs clocked underwater objects traveling at 230 knots, which translates to 250 miles per hour with water assistance. It's almost impossible. It's wow. uh, it's almost completely impossible. Now, also seeing them shift from the the hard part is shifting from air to water, and how often these things do it. How they come from the sky and they somehow, without losing speed, sl just slice through the water, which is uh, something. Speak to like they must be covered with some kind of energy field, which is what UFOs and water talks about. It's a magnetic field that goes in two little circles on either side of it, like, well, like fun balls. I've done right. a few belly flops in my day, and I think we all know water, it, it hits hard. It's hard. So yeah. that is interesting. There's a reason why you die when you jump off a bridge. Oh, I thought it was just because your heart gives out. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of reasons, I guess. <laughs> when it comes to USOs in Russia, however, the center of activity is not the Black Sea, but is rather the deepest lake in the entire world, Lake Baikal. This is sweet. Cool. Now, Lake Baikal is truly a marvel of nature. Sitting at a depth of an entire mile at its darkest point, Lake Baikal holds 20% of the world's fresh water, yet it still freezes over completely every winter owing to the fact that it is located in Siberia near the Mongolian border. I believe it's also a vacation spot. Yeah. It absolutely is during the summer and during the winter, because if you look at pictures of it online, it, it is a true wonder of nature. The kind of ice formations that it has on the water. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But Siberia is where you go to work yourself to death, correct? Well, you can go uh, train to fight. Were. Yeah, or you can go train to fight Avon Drago. You can go to Siberia, <laughs> get yourself in the Russian headspace. Do people like Siberia? Are there like signs that say like, welcome to Siberia? Is there like downtown Siberia? Like it's like no sea and like do sea. Like do they have that? Is there like funky fresh like diners, drive-ins and dives there? No, it's a massive, massive, mostly unpopulated area because it is mostly uninhabitable. Oh, well, there has to be yeah. one guy. Right? That's it. There's one guy. There's be one guy. Rasputin was from Siberia. Oh, I know that. But I wonder if nowadays, because with the, just the ever-reaching arm of Guy Fieri, that he would not be able to inspire somebody to create some kind of uh, like chicken and waffles joint or some form of like flatbread mixed with make your own pastrami kind of place in the middle of Siberia. Diners, drive-ins, and gulags. Ooh, cool. <laughs> UFOs have actually been seen near Lake Baikal or over Lake Baikal since the 19th century, when locals spotted a gigantic glowing sphere with numerous portholes hovering above the enormous body of water. I do love that sighting because they do. I remember that reading about that sighting and they said the, num the numerous portholes. They're like, like the holes in our shacks. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, because you remember, this is the late 19th century. This is the 1800s. People do not have references this is for what they're time. seeing in the skies. Yeah, 
Exactly. Right. Not too long after, in 1904, black objects of almost every classic UFO shape were spotted above Lake Baikal, from the cigar-shaped craft to the nebulous sphere, all performing complex maneuvers far beyond the imagination of the early 20th century Siberian railroad workers who spotted them. The shamrock, the butt plug, the spaghetti. (laughs) Have you just seen it? It just looks like a lump of spaghetti. You got um, a guy, it just looks like a full naked man. Have you ever seen one? (laughs) Just a full naked man just going, how did I get here? Oh my God, is that the spaghetti? (laughs) 50 years after the black object incident, a TU-104 passenger jet, presumably carrying no passengers, crashed into Lake Baikal after being pursued by an unknown metallic vehicle. Or so the story goes. Very similar to the Kolaris story that we covered. Mm. According to reports, the frantic pilot radioed a distraught message to air traffic controllers saying that he was under attack. And fishermen on the lake saw a silver flying saucer chase the plane until it finally plummeted into the water. Wow. You know what I love about fishermen is that they look up, they see this UFO attacking a plane, and the plane eventually crashes about 50 feet from them, and they just keep going, they're biting today. <laughs> it just yeah. goes right, it's just peaceful. The fisherman yeah. is very focused. However, despite the fact that there were numerous witnesses to this event, no conclusive evidence or even an official record of the crash has ever surfaced. But cover-ups of accidents were sadly all too common in the old Soviet regime, as we all saw with the Chernobyl disaster. I love that HBO show. I'd even (laughs) ask for more disasters if I could get more episodes of that show. Yeah, they did a horrible (laughs) job of covering that up. There's a movie based on it. There's a whole bunch of stuff. They tried for a while. It was just a little bit too big. It was when entire swaths of people started getting cancer that they couldn't really cover up how bad it was. They got that one shirt that says, hey, I visited Chernobyl and all I got was this second dick (laughs) (laughs) all right guys hear me out what if we create a huge rug put it over chernobyl literally sweep it under the rug Uh, vladimir you first are promoted then we execute no wait what So about 15 years after the alleged plane crash, there were reports of a glow over Lake Baikal that could not be attributed to weather or couldn't be attributed to optical illusions caused by a sunset. And on that same night, an anti-aircraft missile unit was attacked by a mysterious bow. Hmm. Apparently, the military lost all communication capabilities as a fiery orange sphere the size of our sun ascended over the horizon, pulsating as if it were alive. Cool. In the year after the pulsating sphere, a cigar-shaped object 250 meters long, by estimates, was seen silently flying over Lake Baikal. By reports, it released three radiant spheres colored yellow, pink, and blue, and all three flew off in different directions before the cigar-shaped craft disappeared. UFOs in water has an interesting theory. He So UFOs in water, he tries to explain some various phenomena that the USOs exhibit and how, in a very nuts and bolts manner, in a basic way, he's trying to kind of wrap his head around how do these things work physically, which is also what our U.S. government is spending millions of dollars currently. The $22 million that came out of, that that was given to ATIP to research UAP was all about how do we replicate 
what they do. How do we make a ship that can go from the air into the water and up, right, without losing any speed so we can kill, 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 yep. kill, kill, kill. But eventually we could put people on it and it's a new cruise ship. Oh, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> Carnival. But UFOs in water, the way it's very basic. He doesn't, he tries to explain it with some math that just made me glaze over. But what he is trying to say is that they are some form of magnetic propulsion system that has, in his words, an on and off switch. Hmm. That at night, when it's on, you can see the craft. At night, you would actually see the lights that you commonly ah. see with UFOs. Is that when it's up there, the ionization effect of the magnetic field around it makes things, elements in our, our air make it glow different colors. And so something that is a thing that's a big glowing craft that you know how sometimes we see UFOs that shit out little colors, they shit up little mm -hmm. things, is that they all have their magnetic field on. And that in daytime, when we see a craft, more often than not, it's because this system would be on versus off. And that when they shut the system off, it goes invisible. Is it possible mm. that they're unloading lavatory waste? It is very possible. It's there, possible. There's it also possible. the idea that any UFO that comes here crashes. And, that, and when it does crash, it's the reason why this is an actual posited like theory that they are, in fact, space tourists or a B and C team groups that come. They keep their A team and they send the B team to essentially come investigate, see what happens. And a lot of times the reason why they crash, it's because it's Larry's son, Craig, who never should have gotten oh, his no. UAP license. I <laughs> hate nepotism so much, especially on an alien level. Interestingly uh, enough, on more of a terrestrial level we need to do an audit of the pentagon it's never happened before it's and coming many people it's due next well, month they're, they're pushing for nah. it we'll see if biden allows it but everyone from bernie sanders to mike lee different political affiliations completely are for it but we'll see if the powers that be allow it to happen i don't think biden will do it biden came nah, out this morning won't. saying he is he is pro the uap he also said he was going to cancel student uh, debt <laughs> You guys he's are talking a, about two entirely different things. That's different. Yeah, that's different. He can easily <laughs> so say yes about to the UFO. talking about a full audit of the Pentagon, like every single budget item of the Pentagon. And Henry, you're talking about the UFO report that's coming out, supposed to come out in June. Yeah, the important thing. Well, <laughs> the the, nice the thing. important piece of it. Anyway, yes, but I do think it would be nice to know where is the money going? The Pentagon has never been audited, and it seems... Mm -hmm. Across all political affiliations, people want that to happen. We'll see if it does. I'm skeptical. Wait a second. Who's spending $25 at Tender Grains? <laughs> General. <laughs> I would hey. love to know. I would love to know where the money's going. They just got $740 billion bucks. Live from your grave. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. 
All right, so Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Well, besides aircraft, civilians who live near Lake Baikal have reportedly had close encounters of the third kind. Near the village of Kudara Simon, just south of Lake Baikal, multiple witnesses saw three people in shining yellow suits disembark from an actual flying saucer. One witness named Marina Zimareva said that they were slender and tall, more humanoid than the short greys that we so often run into here in America. More like tall whites. Okay. She said that they walked down steps that folded out of the saucer and did so with the same gait as a human. Klaxor, can we get some kind of railing? Because (laughs) one of us is going to slip, and I don't want one of these human humans to see us fall. Absolutely. That's why we should be floating. I need you to think, we are trying to walk here. I'm walking here. I didn't come all the way to to Earth to not fucking walk. I came here to walk. This is cool. I get to walk here. Also, could they float here with the gravitational pull of Earth? That's why they're walking. Because exactly. the gravity, because the gravity is so much fucking stronger. Out of the mouths mm. of babes. <laughs> right. That is a large baby. <laughs> he's still hungry for milk. Oh God, he's coming for the milk. <laughs> well, after the three aliens, or whatever they were, after the three beings that were dressed in yellow disembarked, three more beings using the same gait, wearing orange suits, also disembarked. They're the bosses, are they? But when the beings saw that people were watching nearby, they quickly scampered back to their ship and flew away. Okay, we gotta go put our scary costumes on. We should be seen like this. <laughs> yeah, they just got They just scared. saw dogs our float. Oh, <laughs> All right, you know what? We want to walk. It's embarrassing that we can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to Lake Baikal, 
The most unbelievable story is, as always, the one with the most plot. <laughs> and it allegedly occurred deep under the waters of this massive lake in 1982. Now, about five years before the event in the early 80s, two researchers named Alexandrov and Seleverstov. Very That's difficult names. Yeah, they sound like people that are like competitors in Eurovision. Oh. <laughs> well, they plunged into Lake Baikal in a submersible device and reached a depth of three quarters of a mile. And once they were in the darkest abyss, the scientists turned off their spotlights to measure the depth of sunlight penetration. Let me check. Actually, let's, let's, let's check the instruments. Apparently, the sunlight is, uh, it is balls deep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm so happy to be submerged in a submarine, not able to escape with a fucking comedian. Look at it this. is great to be the here with you. The sunlight has gotten all the way down to the bush hairs. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is fun. You do improv on the weekends, you said. Well, yes, I do. State-mandated improv where I always, the ends always, where we love Mother Russia. Very fun. Very fun. <laughs> but suddenly, the scientists were bathed in an unusual glowing light. They later claimed that it was as if their device was lit from above and the sides by strong spotlights. And after about a minute, the floodlight suddenly switched off and the aquanauts once again found themselves in total darkness. And then you've been gotten used to the dark and then the light hits you and shuts off and then you're like double blind. Right. Yeah. Now, it's obvious that something strange was going down at Lake Baikal. Something's wrong. I'm <laughs> in the room. Outside is the storm. The storm. <laughs> But the, <laughs> I don't even. What is that even from? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters too. Yeah, it's the oh. Bobby. It's a Bobby Brown song. Oh, okay. Mm, Whatever yeah. happened to him? Um, he's dead. I think we can move on. The whole family's dead. <laughs> no, we know he's alive. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's he's the alive. rest of the family's dead. I'll never forget that episode where they admitted that he sometimes sticks his finger up Whitney Houston's butt when she gets constipated. Yeah. But let's just go. The on. ultimate USO. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate submerged object. All right. But. The Soviet military still chose this large body of water for training military frogmen, or so the story goes. Hmm. In 1982, seven divers attached to the Soviet military descended deep into Lake Baikal. But once they reached a depth of 50 meters, they were suddenly and unexpectedly faced with three other mysterious humanoid creatures. By the accounts of the survivors, these creatures appeared to be nine feet tall mm. and wore tight-fitting silvery suits and simple helmets on their heads, similar to what a cosmonaut might wear. They weren't connected to any oxygen. They no had no aqualung. ship, no aqualung. There was nothing there. And in a way, this is why I really do think the phenomenon is interesting. It's as if they hastily put together an underwater costume. Mm. It, it's kind of like they mirror what we are already doing. Uh, there is, a, I want to say there was a book, it's like The Crystal World by J.G. Ballard, where it is a phenomena. Basically, people go down, the, the story of the book is that people go down to this part of the jungle that is becoming all crystalline, and people are becoming obsessed with it, and kind of essentially like the movie Annihilation, where yeah. people are going and getting lost and hypnotized mm. by this world, and it's kind of subtly aping our world. It's trying to copy us, and I really think that's the heart of the phenomenon is that it looks at it's trying to connect to our intelligence by copying us like evil ash did with ash yes interesting so what do you mean did they go to joanne's fabric or something to buy they, the clothes they go to halloween city okay 
Now, it was obvious that these creatures were not threatening in any way whatsoever, and they really just seemed curious. But even so, when the men returned to the surface, the commander of the training mission ordered his men to return to the water to capture one of the subaqueous creatures for further study. Russians are, they like weird experiments. Because they, they also, remember when they tried to make the ape human soldiers? Mm-hmm. They just want to get one and they want yeah. to make it communist. Now, these creatures were intriguing to the commander because he was a particularly big fan of a film adaptation of an old <laughs> Soviet novel about a shark boy that was called Amphibian Man. Yes. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. It's not like every idea they have is good. No. I would argue 99.9% of them have been absolutely comically stupid. They think outside of the box. Sometimes when you're super creative, sometimes you're also at the very bottom of stupidity as well. But that's where you can really surprise yourself with how stupid you can be. All right. But this is a real book. Aquaman yeah. that was written, uh, Amphibian Man that was written by Alexander Baileyov. This is written in 1928. And so it's about an Argentinian doctor, Salvador, a scientist and a maverick surgeon gives his son, Ichthyander, a set yeah. of shark gills. I don't yeah. think I'm going to a maverick surgeon. It's the new Jason Momoa movie. <laughs> well, in the film that the commander was so in love with, a scientist saves his son's life by transplanting shark lungs into his body. But, yeah, since, the boy <laughs> but since the boy has shark lungs, he can't visit the surface anymore. Then he falls in love with a girl, and there's a jealous lover, and so on and so forth. I it's plan on showing... I plan on showing the five-minute trailer to uh, this movie, uh, my next mandate on our uh, Patreon YouTube stream. Okay. It's fucking great. Love it. But the point here is that the commander, apparently, by some accounts, wanted to see if the shark boy from his favorite movie was real. You got to listen to the general. It's just. <laughs> he had wow. one. He, had, oh, he was a one issue voter. I is shark boy real. <laughs> right. But he was in charge of a lot of like weapons and people and stuff. Right. It's, sometimes how you get to the very top is having you just have to have a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So armed only with a large net, ah. the men descended into Lake Baikal. Can we get some guns or something? <laughs> we don't want to hurt Shark Boy. He only wants to love. Uh. He only wants to go back to the surface. Uh. It's like, I but I, Commander, I just feel like we should have a gun. Or I just feel bad for Shark Boy. He can never stop moving or he's going to die. I should get him horrible. a birthday cake. He has probably <laughs> never had an online birthday celebration. I actually completely agree with with you on that get him a wet birthday cake <laughs> and once the divers again located the creatures the man with the net attempted capture it was essentially it was just get her it was the ghostbusters <laughs> everybody's been doing ghostbusters <laughs> but as it turned out this was an extraordinarily bad plan for capturing a nine foot tall fish man as soon as the net was flung, the creatures responded by pulling out some sort of sonic weapon, which knocked the seven divers unconscious and sent them shooting to the surface at incredible speeds. Do you remember the story of Phil Schneider? Yeah. Who also got zapped by some form of laser pressure weapon that gave him the wonky hand and gave him the, the, the body, all the scarred body that he showed at UFO conventions. So everyone go, oh, oh, <laughs> which is sad, though, because yeah. at the same time, he should have been proud of his body. He yeah. earned those scars. Well, he kept on showing it. I think he was proud of it. That's his moneymaker. Take a look at this. It was his closer. He always go like, and then you could see what happened to my belly. And everyone's like, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> now, anyone who has any knowledge of scuba diving knows that a human body can't handle coming up from the depths of a body of water too fast, lest they suffer from a dreaded condition known as the bends. Yeah, if you get the bends, what happens is, is you create over 15 concept albums, each filled with <laughs> weirder and weirder collages of noise, and it gets to the point, is this even music? You making yes. a Radiohead joke, bro? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a moon-shaped pool is an underrated album. It's a great fucking album. It's it's awesome. All it's right. fine. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I know people like Radiohead, and I'm fine with Radiohead. It's just very sad. Well, but but it's also it can also make you happy. Yeah, isn't yes, that funny? How sometimes, the, like how you listen to rage metal to calm down. Yes. Sometimes you listen to a little Towns Van Zandt, a little Radiohead, sad music, but it offsets your sadness, and then you can be happy. Create yeah, something the, sweeter. Yeah. The Benz. The Benz got me through high school. Wow. It was one of my favorite albums in high school. Let's do it over and over and over again. You know what got me through high school? The we, musical Rent. <laughs> See, when humans come up from deep waters too fast, there are rapid changes in pressure, and those rapid changes can cause nitrogen gas bubbles to form in the bloodstream, causing permanent physical damage in mild cases of the bends and death in extreme cases. And since all seven Lake Baikal divers had been allegedly shot to the surface by a sonic weapon, all seven had the bends and were in desperate need of a decompression chamber to save their lives. Problem was, only one such chamber existed in the region, and it was designed to only treat two people at a time. So, in true Soviet fashion, four of the seven men were piled into the chamber <laughs> while the other three were left to die. Jesus and since Christ. the decompression chamber was only made for two people, the four who managed to spot were rendered invalids for the <laughs> remainder of their lives. Man, they just really... They just Nobody wins. They don't really care in Russia. <laughs> they really just don't give a shit. Not that we care that much. I mean, yeah. we gave the Tuskegee, uh, that whole story of the Tuskegee Airmen just giving Tus syphilis to see if they yeah. die or not is was also fucked up. So, yeah, yeah I guess we learn from them. Tuskegee. Mm. Tuskegee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for fucking changing my pronunciation. No problem. <laughs> I'm just doing it before they do. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> But what's interesting about this incident is that as unbelievable as it sounds, it was actually described in detail in recently declassified Soviet files, or so says esteemed ufologist and former Soviet naval officer Vladimir Azhaza. They, uh, this is true, because the Russians, they are trying to get really involved in the UFO conversation as well. And in two, way before us, because that's where the PSYOP kind of comes in where mm -hmm. what is Russia's gain from also coming forward and saying actually we, we really have spent a lot of time researching UFOs because in my mind it's whether or not whether or not all of this shit is real or not both countries US and Russia want to be the only ones with access to whatever technology this so-called other intelligence might provide and whoever gets the first get at it gets the uh, tactical advantage. Yeah, that'll be a tough one. Did, did that dog that they sent up in space when the Russians Rika? sent that... Yeah, did that dog ever come down or is that no. like... Is that, that, oh, so dog's that's just, oh, that dog's skeleton is still orbiting the Earth. Oh, so yeah. at some point, is it going to get out of our... Is it going to be out of our atmosphere? Is, like, is that going to be some really horrible gift to an alien planet where they're like, <laughs> wow, this is from Earth. I wonder what they sent us. And it's just a dead dog. And they, then they'll be like, what is this? Some kind of Italian? 
Is this an Italian message that we're all going to die soon? Like the horse head. Oh, uh, oh now I understand. I thought you meant the dead. dog skeleton, some form of Italian. Like they just didn't understand. They just thought all Italians clarify look it very like well. fucking, was it little Jack Russells? I'm just saying, all the aliens know about us right now is that our that we gift dead dogs. So don't be surprised when they come and just be like, why are all these citizens, why are all these people upset that we give them all these dead dogs? We'd be like, it's really traumatizing for us because we love dogs, but they won't get it. I mean, That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> now, eventually, we're going to have to clean up all the space junk because we have littered space quite a bit. There's a whole bunch of crap floating around the Earth. Eventually, we'll go up and scoop it all up. And like a skeleton, we'll probably end up in a museum somewhere someday. That'd be sweet. But furthermore, the major general in charge of this diving mission rushed to nearby Isikku Lake to warn the local military against approaching any aquatic creatures. And soon after that, a bulletin listed numerous deepwater lakes where anomalous phenomena like the underwater creatures, the crafts, and the underwater luminescence all occurred, warning military officials to keep an eye out. For example, the town of Borisoglipsk between Moscow and the Black Sea. I love Borisko Clubs because <laughs> they have such good chains there. Oh, absolutely. Have you seen their chains? Popeyes, the whole nine. No, I'm talking about just metal oh, chains. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, they had encounters with creatures similar to those seen underwater at Lake Baikal. During the 80s, multiple objects were seen flying in the skies above this small town. And in 1982, the same year of the Lake Baikal encounter, military personnel spotted a 10-foot-tall humanoid running around in a clearing in a forest after the crash of a MiG-21 fighter jet. Oh, you can just see him like, ah! He's <laughs> 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 <Just> horrified. <laughs> From what witnesses said, the creature was dressed in silvery clothing and fled after it was seen. Oh, God, I shouldn't have worn my better shoes. <laughs> this is embarrassing for the alien. <laughs> And soon after, an explosion was felt as a luminous object took off from the ground, leaving a glowing trail of light behind it. And in 1990, people in Borisoglebst saw these giant humanoids again. And not too long after that, a fisherman in the Black Sea saw a gigantic, milky-white humanoid with giant, bulging eyes waving at him with membrane hands before it <laughs> swam away. Hey, have you ever had yourself a hot pocket? <laughs> oh, Jim Gaffigan. That's, that's great. Now, as far as what these creatures could be, the first instinct is always that it's a misidentification of an animal, much like how many people dismiss cryptid sightings as owls or bears or mangy dying dogs. Sometimes they are mangy dogs. Sometimes. And sometimes they are owls. Sometimes. The harpy owl. Mm -hmm. Yes, that often gets mistaken for a Mothman for some reason from people that are generally very scared and uh, they're, something's wrong with them. It's scary, man. It's a huge-ass owl. And there is indeed an aquatic mammal native to Lake Baikal. That would be the Baikal seal, known locally <laughs> as the Nerpa. Oh, Nerpa! <laughs> <laughs> I love the Nerpa. He's so cute the way he likes chicken tendies and he likes jalapeno peppers. That's what I like. I like appetizers. Oh, I love you, Nerpa. <laughs> it's like little dinners. I you know. You get so many of them and no one says anything because it's just appetizers. And the thing is, dinner hasn't even come yet. Yeah. You're eating Food. I hate entrees. I know. <laughs> it's too much food at once. It's time for a dino blast. <laughs> However, 
The Nerpa is only four feet long. And considering how there are between 80 and 100,000 Nerpas in Lake Baikal, it's unlikely that the doomed divers we spoke of earlier weren't familiar with Nerpas. But even if that story is a little too fantastic for some of our more skeptical listeners out there, we do actually have evidence that something strange is happening at Lake Baikal. And something it's supported. Wrong. <laughs> in the room. Outside of the stone. And it's supported by your precious photographs. Your precious evidence. <laughs> I require all of this evidence. Well, you do need evidence. You didn't see I me do, do quotation I, marks. I actually did. I actually wasn't turned until there was actual evidence. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, in 2009, fun. the International Space Station photographed two circular convection breaks in the four-foot-thick winter ice at Lake Baikal, which appeared to be created by something ascending from the depths. Look at the hot pocket. <laughs> the circular breaks, which surfaced miles away from each other, were three miles in diameter and oddly symmetrical. And while some think that it's from methane being released below the surface, no one knows for sure what actually caused it. Look up these photos. They're incredible. Whoa, holy fucking shit. What is this? Did you not see those? No, now I'm looking at it. Yeah, Whoa. dude, it is fucking crazy. That's not cool. That looks like buttholes, but <laughs> bigger and meaner and colder. Wow, I'm so happy that you looked at those so we could get your expertise on it. Hey, man, I'm not a part of MUFON anymore. I don't need to describe this for my paperwork. <laughs> well, even as recent as 2016, multiple people saw a mysterious bright object moving slowly through the skies near Lake Baikal, far too slowly to be a meteorite or a spent rocket stage. Can I read a little bit of how the Russian government is working with this entire intelligence this this Please. is where so they really have spent a lot of time studying usos and their relationships to the water and to their military technology and jacques valet often talks about this concept of ufos as a control mechanism he has this belief that these these entities whatever this phenomena shows up what it is is like a control mechanism like uh the temperature gauge in your house right where if you set it a cool temperature like for a specific like range so let's say it's 71 degrees in your house if it's on cool if it goes to if it rises to 71 degrees the mechanism turns on so that it cools to go down right it's same thing opposite for heat he's saying that the ufos are something like that they are they appear to us to either control our behavior for some reason whatever their agenda is but what the russian intelligence community is trying to say is that they are figuring out, and it might be what our own government is also working on that we have not really broached yet, is they are, we are working out a way to communicate and to control the controlling mechanism. This came from, this is a sentence, it came from an article that I read on the Hermetic Penetrator, um, who wrote this. <laughs> that was um, my nickname in high school. This comes from Lou Elizondo, first saying... Oh, but you Dude, don't love him. I don't, I doubt... Lou Elizondo, oh, but he said something that was interesting. He alluded to this idea that the Soviet government might be trying to communicate with these this phenomena, and uh, he kind of whatever he shat out this comment. But then a man named General Vasily Alexeyev, who is the former Soviet Air Force general, has come forward and said, "This is what we're doing. This is what they are trying to do." Um, Individual officers and commanders on the spot who knew about the phenomenon and had no official instructions on the matter acted on their own initiative to investigate UFOs. So he's saying that this is before they became official in any way, shape, or form. I know that in some places, 
They even learned to create a situation where they would deliberately provoke the appearance of a UFO. So what they would do is they would bring out a nuclear weapon in a field. This is what they say that they did. And then the UFOs would show up and they would do it by the water. And they said they would pop up out of the water. A UFO would appear where there was increased military activity connected, say, with the transportation of a quote unquote special loads. Right. So in other words, some kind of conditional relationship emerged. And what they would do, the UFO appeared. In most instances, it was a sphere. But there were other kinds. Contact was achieved with the help of physical indications of behavior. Pointing your arms in various directions, say, and the sphere became flattened in the same direction. If you raised your arms three times, the UFO would flatten out in a vertical direction three times as well. So the Soviets, whether this is a psyop or not, whether this is all bullshit coming from them, they are saying we can talk to them by making rabbit hands. Yeah, isn't that like a uh, the, like the flag waving? Like what yes. is that called? From yeah, close encounters of the third kind. It's yeah, the same the mechanism, which is also why people think Spielberg knew people within the intelligence community that has been talking about this very subject for a very long time. This is one of those things where your brain starts going, oh. Or did they take it from him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know That's whether exactly. they took the idea from the movies and then used it within the intelligence community. But he's saying this was all in the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. Wasn't uh, J. Allen Hynek a, uh, a a consultant on third Close Encounters of the Third Kind? He was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we can yeah. trust these. <laughs> but that's not really a secret, though. He was. That was in the credits. Oh, of course. But I'm saying they hid it within a fiction movie, saying, uh-huh. "Oh, we've come up with these systems to communicate with to communicate with various UFOs." And because it's in one of Spielberg's fancy little summer blockbusters, nobody would believe that it's actually fact. That is well, even more strange than fiction. Indeed, yeah, but, but they can't make it a documentary. And no one would watch it. Well, Steven Spielberg <laughs> was trying to make a documentary about Russian USOs. He was apparently, and then uh, all got kiboshed. I read that was a uh, that was a rumor that was not true. That's all Hollywood. <laughs> Interesting, though. Okay, so take that with a grain of salt. But that is fascinating stuff mm-hmm. coming from the Russians, isn't it? It <laughs> is. No need to get defensive, Henry. <laughs> But as far as USOs and the rest of the world go, we've had more than our fair share here in North America, the most famous of which being the Shag Harbor incident in Nova Scotia in the fall of 1967. It turned out to be a man, baby. <laughs> Such an asshole. Man, I'm the best. <laughs> I'm happy that someone finally said it. You know what? I'll go ahead and say, Henry, I don't know if you're the best, but you are the living end. I am here. <laughs> you know, I am in this room. <laughs> From multiple eyewitness accounts, strange lights appeared in the night sky moving across the horizon, winking on and off rapidly. Suddenly, the light plunged into the ocean with an audible splash, and eyewitnesses reported an object bobbing up and down in the waves until it drifted down to the waters below. Mm. When the Canadian Coast Guard arrived, they saw a pale yellow light under the surface of the water, and a thick yellow foam was leaking out of it. It's got to go to the doctor. The object then began moving and appeared to vanish, leaving behind only the foamy yellow substance. Mm. Wow. That's a cream coming from a bath. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hello, UFO and USO Dave. Also sounds a bit like Detective Popcorn. It did, Honestly, it did drift into Detective Popcorn, <laughs> yeah. and I'm upset. Uh, but but that, this, <laughs> that was the original ending to Little Mermaid, though, wasn't it? She uh, she turns into a bunch of foam. She did. She committed mm-hmm. suicide via sadness. Uh, but this story <laughs> is interesting. Typical. 
The Shag Harbor UFO incident, it's one of the best, uh, one of the most validated UFO stories that we have. Much like the Rendlesham Forest incident, th there is a lot of military witnesses that said that they saw this thing. And the yellow foam is actually highly indicative of this behavior. David Fravor, if you listen to mm. his story about the Tic Tac UFO that was saw outside of the, you know, the, the, the famous video that has now come yeah. out in December 2017 of the Tic Tac UFO, if you listen to his eyewitness account in detail, he says that when he first saw this thing, it was above a foaming patch of water. And that more often than not, this these UFOs cause foam because of whatever their field is around it. UFOs in water also says that that's his surmise. Surmization? Sure. He surmises. Summary? Summary? He <laughs> said that the magnetic energy, the propulsion system, it makes the water foam as it goes in and out. Okay. Conclusion. That's the word you're looking for. More like collusion. <laughs> We're back to Russia. <laughs> now, USOs have been reported in the United States of America for decades. And in 1973, a paranormal writer with the unfortunate name of Alan Spaggett published mm. a collection of UFO USO stories in the Tampa Tribune. Um, please, Marcus, it's Spaghetti. <laughs> Ooh, spaghetti! Ooh, very nice. Actually, Spaghetti was his chosen nom de plume. Really? Uh, his real name was Alan Spraget. So, what's wrong with Spraget? I mean, there's nothing wrong with is, anything. I don't know how you decide that Spaghetti is more Hollywood <laughs> than Spraget. <laughs> I don't know. He obviously well, the way it's with the way it's spelled, it does look like it's spelled spaghetti. But it because be spaghet. he did not put an e at the end of it, like spaghetti has. Ah, yes, oh. spaghetti <laughs> has the e. That's what makes it fancy. Yeah, that's the European. Flair. He wanted to be a common everyman. <laughs> But in this article, Spraget wrote of an oceanographic ship from the United States named the Eltonen that took photographs 13,000 feet down into the ocean, some 1,000 miles west of Cape Horn. And from what Spraget reported, the photographs captured an actual piece of machinery on the ocean floor featuring protruding rods that appeared as if they were antenna. Oh, interesting. Now, it could have merely been a sunken ship, but it matched no known machinery that the military was privy to, and no plant life nor known coral exists that deep into the ocean. Unless it's a rebel coral, going where no coral has ever been before. <laughs> and notice, near the rebel coral, the Jeffrey Tubin continues oh. to jerk off. Oh, God, I gotta get another meeting. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh, someone's yes. texting me. Yes, someone's texting me. I'll finish oh. while I'm texting. <laughs> um, but in terms of Shag Harbor, this is very indicative of the same behavior of that same thing that happened in Shag Harbor, where the the object floated along the coast for a long period of time. They said it apparently went underground and went under the water, and they were like, oh, it's crashed, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But but apparently the U.S. military were tracking it for several days afterwards, saying that it had mm -hmm. went up the coast because the Shag Harbor area, which is uh, on the very end of Newfoundland, the very the, the far, far east coast of Canada, that was also an outpost for our submarine area, like where we kept all our submarines and our nuclear yeah. submarines. And the Russians used to send little guys over to buzz mm -hmm. Canadian waters to kind of see what we were up to. And so it was this, again, a highly watched part of the ocean where this floating yellow thing went through next to all submarines. They turn all the weapons system saying like, all right, we're ready to blow it up. And then it didn't do anything. They watched it lift up out of the water and shoot up into the sky. Wow. Yep. 
Spriggett also wrote about a huge pear-shaped object photographed in the Gulf Stream in 1965. And he wrote about a green phosphorescent cigar-shaped object seen by 40 people off the coast of Brazil that submerged and navigated around with ease, despite its huge size. And that phosphorescent glow, that comes again and again and again. And it, of course, speaks to the magnetic theory. Hmm. Interesting. So, quick question. When was this again? Um, 1965. So we got the cigar shaped, and then you have your kind of your cylinder shape. It seem it does seem like to say, to 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 believe this. Uh, it seems like everyone is explaining the same phenomenon over and over again, right? Yes, like all no over the world. But w- what about like the triangle and all that stuff? I guess that's different. Well, they are saying that the triangle. This is all. I mean, what is this shit? What is it? Are they ships from another galaxy? Are they interdimensional things that pop through that we kind of complete? Are they elementals? Like, are they just things that are a natural occurrence, a part of our life? Because some people say, nuts and bolts people believe that those triangles that we see are like motherships. That they come and they, they observe us and that those are the nuts and bolts shit. And that the orbs is more of the elemental fashion. That maybe they are psychic projections. Maybe they come mm. from the inner earth, like the reptilians living inside of the planet earth. Maybe they are directed, essentially unmanned vehicles directed by the psychic notions of the giant water worms inside of the moons of Saturn. You couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. You said mothership. Maybe they could help us out. Put a nipple on it. Let Put us a nipple know. On it. Put a nipple Put on it. Put a nipple on it or some udders. Let us know it's the mothership. <laughs> so now that we've come to the end of it, hmm. the question we have or right the beginning. now. Oh. Or did we just get to the beginning? <laughs> I don't even think we've started. Well, the question is, what are these things and where do they come from? And to that, we have no definitive answer, because if there was a definitive answer, it'd be taught in fucking schools. Yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd be driving orbs right now. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. There would be the Chevy orb. You have to get it fixed all the time. No. <laughs> Don't even get me going. <laughs> but an argumentative, belligerent Scottish ufologist named Ivan Sanderson, who seemed to have quite possibly hated UFOs, had an interesting <laughs> hypothesis before he died in the 70s. He was just mad at how hard UFOs made him work. Okay. (laughs) Ivan hypothesized that since the Earth is covered in 75% water and is on average two miles deep, then it's not impossible to think that intelligent subaqueous beings could have evolved and built underwater civilizations at the bottom of the sea long before humans even walked upright. And we stand up here all day, walking around, and they're down there, there. they're shitting on the fish. Whoa, they're (laughs) crapping on the fish. That's I met the pink woman the other day. She is lovely. I love her finger. <laughs> Why are you so angry, Scottish man? I hate they fly. I cannot fly. <laughs> no, not yet. In his view, it took humanity 300 million years of evolution to achieve space travel, and intelligent subaqueous beings have had double the amount of time to evolve because they didn't have to worry about evolving on land as well as evolving in the sea. Therefore, there's no reason to think that if they exist, they wouldn't have achieved space travel 150 million years ago, but that's assuming that they somehow evolved hands and didn't just become dolphins. But if we extrapolate from this theory, that it's entirely possible that the reason why UFOs are seen most often 
often near water is not because they're coming from the sky. Rather, they're coming from the ocean yeah, yeah, and any oh. other body of water deep enough to hide a settlement. In other words, it's entirely possible that the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, bro. Wow. You see, you cool. do end up having to talk naturally faster when you talk about UFOs to keep people with like close to you physically. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I love it. USO. Wow, we did it. Submerged objects that are oh, not identified. We are... <laughs> that is what they are. That is what they are. It's just the way you say it that seems to be like you're, I, you're I, being wow. credulous. No, Submerged I, I, objects that are unidentified. <laughs> My entire life, are. it's called stretching time. <laughs> So my whole life. Uh, this is, uh, to me, one of the most interesting topics within ufology. I think that we are going to see how this plays out next yeah. month. We're going to do a bit of an update because next if month. If it happens, though. I, it might are, not happen. They might have to give it to us. They might have to give it to us simply for PR reasons. They might have mm. to give some version of a UFO report. We're supposed to get this shit from the Pentagon, whatever it means. The Defense Department's going to come out. They're coming to clean. And you know yeah. how transparent they can be. Well, that's You've why. You've seen clothes on some of these generals. Well, those are kind of transparent if the person's writing a book about them. It's amazing how fast those pants can drop. Looking at you, <laughs> Mr. Petraeus. Nice. Wow, that's such a good Got diss. Him. Everyone who's a total political um, nerd would get that but also truly the pentagon audit talk to your representatives we need to audit the pentagon because we do where is the money going it's never happened and they have a lot of our hard-earned tax dollars they do so much and, but we the u.s government is very actively interested in how these things can fly from air to the water oh. they want technology from this they who knows there's a lot of people saying that they might have a chunk of a craft somewhere there's yeah, a lot. It's a Harry lot of cheer. Was the one who said that they he found that like they had a craft and they wouldn't let him see it. We'll see. We'll see what this all means because in the end we haven't seen evidence of this within our like domestic technology, civilian technology. I also think it would explain that if they did have this technology, that's why we're seeing so many orbs because they were trying to figure a way to do it. Maybe there are fucking Call of Duty players sitting somewhere in Maybe. the Dulce base with helmets on, shooting, using their mind to shoot orbs into space. Because, And you know what that would be? Super killer. Because you know what it also means? We don't have to worry about doing cardio anymore. Oh, and from that now would on, be we're nice. just sitting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day, getting closer and closer to Wally. Yep. And don't forget to check out the new season of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Gulags. And <laughs> I think that'll be fantastic. And thanks for supporting all the shows here. We have, uh, um, what are you guys working on with Beastie Boys with uh, with No Dogs in Space? Speaking of puppies in space, No Dogs yeah. in Space. You guys mm -hmm. on Beastie Boys almost wrapping that up. Yeah, we uh, last week we uh, released part five, which is uh, an episode devoted mostly to uh, Paul's Boutique, the, oh. Beastie Boy, like there, the Beastie Boys magnum opus. And uh, next week we're going to conclude the series Beastie Boys Part 6, where we're going to cover uh, the three fantastic albums they released in the 90s. Check Your awesome. Head, Ill Communication, and Hello Nasty. That is great. Awesome. I'm fucking very excited. Uh, last episode of Dunecast. Yeah. The last episode of LPN Deep Dives Dune is coming out on Monday. Uh, it has been, a, what a long, strange journey it's been. And now we're back. We got all, fucking check out all the rest of the shows. Check Buy our weed. 
Yes, we can go. Uh, and in Weedon San- in Santa Ana and yes. Boulevard in San Diego. Please buy our weed vape carts. Go ahead and get them out there. Put them in your lungs. Give them to your children. Give them yeah. to the children. Don't <laughs> give them to the children. You can't uh, even legally entertain that uh, idea. Please satire. don't give them to the children. Satire. 21 years or older. Uh, or older. Speaking of giving weed to children, Last Prisoner Project, we've been working with them very Again, closely. Again, they don't give weed to they children. They don't give weed no, to children. They're actually it's, a fantastic group. We love them. Um, they are, We're trying to get these last people that are in jail for weed. We're trying to get them out of fucking jail because they don't belong there uh, and we're working with them look them up we we are going to be working very closely with them more and more over the next year absolutely i had a chance to go to an event with the last prisoner project this past week uh everyone was absolutely fantastic i met some great people and uh, it is important to humanize and put a face on uh, on the detention of innocent american citizens who deserve to be treated with respect all right, so we will be working with LPP in the future, and, we, and we're working with them now. Absolutely. We absolutely can't wait. And we'll have some interviews on Ableton's Top Hat as well, so we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the nightmare that is uh, the criminal justice system in this country. And, uh, yeah, everything else, uh, thank you all so much for supporting us. Yeah. Can we announce? When can we announce that we're going to do shows? I don't know. Very can soon. We, we're going to be doing a show, okay. so many fucking shows uh, this fall uh, yes. and late summer around America. We're going to be yes. doing, we can't, we can't announce it just exactly which cities we're coming to, but we're doing a gigantic fucking tour. We're going to be starting back doing shows in fucking August, and we're going to be going on tour for the rest of our fucking lives. So we'll be yeah, coming bro. to a town near you sometime in the next year. So That's, excited! We can't wait, and of course we will see you in Colorado. At, uh, yeah, we'll at see you in Colorado. All yeah. right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there and staying safe. Uh, hail yourself. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustalations. Hail me. Um, don't just watch the skies. Watch the oceans. Yeah, now you And then watch, watch your living room. Watch. Uh, you know, Superstore's canceled. <laughs> so many things to watch. There's so much content out there. But watch the ocean, most of all. It's so much to watch now. But all right. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.